Happy New Year, guys. I was really, I was really sad to realize that New Year's, New Year's Eve is on a Saturday because I was really hoping to be on stage and say, I'll see you guys next year and, you know, dad joke it. But, but it has been a year since I've seen you guys. All right, I tried too hard. I tried too hard for that one. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Anyhow, good job, worship team. That was awesome. Um, let's get started. So we're starting a new series called Is It a Sin? I don't know why, but we like to start series names with questions. That's just how, how it works. But we're going to be starting a new series called Is It a Sin? And we're going to be going over different sins mentioned in Romans. But before I go into that, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. As we, we think about New Year's resolutions, we think about the things that we're trying to do better. So I've been inside too much, sitting down too much, so I'm going to get out and run more, work out more. I've been eating bad food, so now I'm going to start eating healthy food. And when, when we do that, when we think of New Year's resolutions, we're kind of doing something, we're, we're admitting that there's something wrong with us, that we, that we are doing something wrong and that it could be better. And so, when we think about New Year's resolutions, it's kind of how we think about sin and repentance from sin, where we realize that something is wrong with us and we repent of that and turn around. So before I go into Romans and talk about that, I want to talk about what sin is. Sin, very simply put, is missing the mark. It's not living up to God's standard. God's standard is perfection, and we can't do that. I'm not God. I can't reach perfection. I'm not perfect. I sin. I lie. I cheat. I steal. But before I get into Romans, I'm going to go all the way back into the origin to where it came from, where it all started. In Genesis, God said, or God created, heaven and earth. He created the birds and the sky, and he created light and separated the light from the darkness. And God created male and female, man and woman, Adam and Eve. And when he did that, after he had done all this creation, he rested. On the seventh day, he rested. We'll talk about that later. On the seventh day, he rested. But God created male and female. And God gave them pretty strict instructions, very simple instructions. It was, hey, you guys can do whatever you want in this garden. I've given you this whole place to rule over. But don't eat from the tree. Don't eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And lo and behold, they did. In Genesis 3, we see that the serpent showed up. And the serpent says to Eve, so are you not supposed to eat any of the fruits of the tree? And Eve says, well, we can eat any, any fruit from any of these trees, just not of the one in the middle of the garden that has the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan responds, the serpent responds and says, well, I think God is just saying that because he doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know what God knows. He doesn't want you to be like God. He's just trying to maintain his power. And so Eve looked at the fruit and, and thought to herself, man, I mean, it looks good. It looks tasty. It looks like a really nice red crispy apple. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill me if I touch it. But ultimately, he gives in to the deceiver, and she takes the apple probably thinking, oh, I didn't, I didn't die when I grabbed it. Takes a bite out of it. Turns around, gives it to her husband, Adam. Asman takes a bite out of it. 
And in that exact moment, they realized something, that they were naked. And they, and they heard God walking in the garden, and they hid from, hid from God because they were naked. And God says, Adam, Eve, where are you? God knows where they are. He's God. But where are you? And, and they respond, we're here, here, Lord. We're hiding behind the bushes because we're naked. And God, being awesome that he is, and hits him with the question, how do you know you're naked? Did you eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? And then Adam, instead of being a good husband and, and saying, yes, Lord, we did. I'm sorry. Forgive us. We've sinned against you. For, forgive us. You know, my bad. Instead, he points blame. He says, my wife gave it to me. It was her fault. And then God questions her, and she says, well, instead of her saying, oh, I'm sorry, God, you know, I shouldn't have done it. I gave in. I'm sorry, Lord, my bad. Instead, she puts the blame on someone else. She puts the blame on the serpent, says, the serpent deceived me. And then God issues out punishments, some punishments to the serpent, some punishments to man, and punishments to woman, and to the, to the woman. And so, they were given strict instructions to not do something, and they did it anyways. So what are our strict instructions? What are our rules that we're supposed to live by? Well, later on, Moses is given the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, you guys have probably heard of them, but I'll go over them anyways. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. Now, when I say idols there, when the Bible says idols, it's not necessarily talking about like a wood sculpture with a face that you bow down to. That would be an idol. But it's talking about something that takes a higher place over God. This phone right here is a lot of people's idol. Not this particular phone. Obviously, that would be weird. But the phone, the phone is a lot of people's idol. It takes, it takes a lot of people's minds off of God. But the thing about idols is that can, you can be very easily deceived into thinking that it's not an idol. A lot of people are deceived thinking, oh, well, I, I use my phone, you know, it's not an idol because I use it to message people at the church. I have a Bible app on it. I look at Christian memes. You have all these reasons as to why, why you think that this is not an uh, idol. But for a lot of people it is. I have my Bible app on my phone, and I, I love my Bible app. But there are also times where I'm reading my Bible, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I wonder what's on Instagram. Or I get an Instagram notification. A paper Bible is so much better because you don't get those notifications. The only notifications you get are from God. It's usually conviction. So, use your Bible. Don't, don't make things your idols over God. Next up is, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. A lot of, lot of people use the Lord's name in vain, especially nowadays. Pretty much like half of the YouTube videos you can see now use the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day is the seventh day. That's the seventh day rest. God rested on the seventh day. He made all these things, the sky, the heavens, the earth, the birds, the animals, male and female, and then he rested. 
I think it's pretty important that we rest. One of the, one of the most important, one of the coolest examples of people resting, taking a Sabbath day, is Chick-fil-A. God bless Chick-fil-A. Amen? Yeah. Chick-fil-A is awesome. They are one of the most popular, most well-known fast food restaurants, and they don't serve food on Sunday. They're closed on Sunday. They take a Sabbath. And when I say Sabbath, I mean rest. Don't just take a Sabbath, not from work, and then go do your own little projects. It's whatever gives you rest. So if you do find rest and projects, do them. The next one is honor your father and mother. Then we have you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. I've stolen. It's so weird. It's so weird to commit to tell you guys that I've stolen things. I stole a dollar bill one time. It was from my brother. Anyhow, uh, you shall not murder. Uh, that one. I have four other brothers uh, in a homeschooled household, so that one was harder for me. God rest Timmy. Um, I'm kidding. Kidding. I don't have a brother named Timmy. Uh, let's ignore that joke. Uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor like I just did to you about Timmy. Um, and then you shall not covet. So these are the Ten Commandments given us long ago. But when we think about the Ten Commandments, we, we don't, we don't, we're not healed by the Ten Commandments. They're just a mirror. I'm not going to walk into the bathroom, look at the mirror, and notice all the things that are wrong with me, like, oh, man, I need to do my hair, my glasses are dirty, my shoes untied, I have ripped jeans. <clears throat> ripped jeans. Ripped jeans are bad, guys. Yes, I'm looking at you, Jenna. All right. Uh, and so the mirror is just a representation of our sin. It just shows us what's wrong with, with us. It's not going to heal us. We don't look in the mirror and just stare at it waiting for us to be better. It's not going to happen. We need some way to be cleansed, and we cannot do it ourselves. Isaiah 64 says that all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts, the things that we do that we think are righteous, are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. We have, we have no power over cleaning ourselves from our sin. So, have you sinned? Well, Romans 3.23, finally getting into the New Testament, Romans. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed that mark. We've all fall short of that bar. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of all sin is death. We can't, we can't pay it. The only way to pay it is death. But here's where Romans 6.23 flips the switch on us. Here's where God flips the switch on us. Romans 6.23 says, but the, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God, that is Jesus, that is Jesus who was born of virgin birth as we, as we represent Jesus in Christmas. That is Jesus who lived a perfect life without sin because he lived up to that mark because he is God. That is Jesus who suffered, was persecuted, and died on the cross and rose again three days later to show that he really is God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then I love verse 17 too, which says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God is our savior. We all sin. We all fall short. We can't pay the debt that is death. God has paid that debt for us. So, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and since all of time, since Adam was born, Adam was created, all that time, sin has been built up. We've all sinned. So just as one man sinned into the world, so one man took all our sin away. We have to believe. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about Romans, in Romans, where we talk about all these sorts of sins. These, this is going to, these are going to be awkward conversations where we talk about really messed up stuff, really messed up people who need help, who need God, who need Jesus to help them, to save them. And we're going to, and we're going to talk about that, and, and hopefully you feel convicted, because if you have, then that means that God is working in your life. So over the next seven weeks, be praying, be thinking, be talking to your leaders, and be reading your Bible. And if God convicts you of your sin, repent and turn to Jesus and turn to God because he has already made a way for you out. I want to prepare you guys for something. This is an announcement slash conviction. Uh, we're going to be really struggling with the construction in the next six months. We're going to be dealing with all sorts of kind of changes that we're going to have. We're not going to be in this room anymore. We're going to be in the auditorium just for a little bit. And then we're going to go downstairs, hopefully eventually. And it's going to be awesome. But the change is going to be hard, especially for those of you who serve. Or if, you're not, if you don't have a ton of patience, we're all going to be working through this together. And so I ask that you start praying. You start reading your Bible and you pray. And that be your New Year's resolution of reading your Bible and praying both for yourself, for the church, for your friends. As I said a couple weeks ago, there's no kinder thing you can do for someone than to pray for them. So, do these things and uh, we're going to have a good year, right? We're going to have a good year, right? Yeah. We're going to have a good year, right? Yeah. All right, let's pray. And then we're going to go have a good year. Thank you, God. Thank you for the day. Thank you for all your, your works that you've done. That the 66 books in the Bible you have, you have shown yourself in Genesis and so on. God, you've, you've prophesied about the coming king, Jesus, and the second coming. God, you've shown us the sin that we have and the sin that we bear. And you've shown us that you have already paid that price. So I pray that we accept that gift, that we don't hold on to our pride in thinking that we are good enough because all our works are like filthy rags and, are, and, and have no play in whether or not we make it into heaven. God, we love you and we're so thankful for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.